0: Hello. Thanks for listening to our Fusion Sermon podcast. Fusion is a worshiping community within Hardaway Ministries. We gather at 1030 a.m. in the Red Brick Church building on the Hardaway campus, on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Fusion community and Hardaway Ministries, please visit hardaway.com. This morning, though, we are continuing our study uh, we've been in a series, Believe, a book where we've uh, been looking at some of the core truths of Scripture in the fall. We've been looking at the core practices, core practices of the Christian faith, spiritual disciplines uh, or practices of uh, that are key to spiritual formation. If you remember, we've been kind of talking about how these are practices that Jesus participated in, his followers participated in, part of their daily rhythms of life testified in Scripture. Jesus is our ultimate example. We've been using kind of a working image of of an athlete or an artist or a musician who trains and practices for hours and hours and hours and years all so that they can perform at the highest level or the highest stage. And in, in some ways, the spiritual disciplines are, are our practice. It's our discipline. It's, it's what we, the work we put in, in some ways, and the work that God puts into us to form us and to shape us so that we can be a light that shines brightly in the world God has called us to serve and love. And so these are some of the things we've been talking about. Uh, we've considered corporate worship, Uh, Week one, we've looked at personal prayer, we've looked at Bible study and Bible meditation. We've talked about single-mindedness, our our eyes focus on Jesus Christ. We looked at total surrender, this call of Jesus to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily to follow him. Last week, Pastor Aaron was here and, and, and we considered Christian community and how Christian community is defined by love uh, and how the Bible defines love in 1 Corinthians 13. Well, this week we, we kind of consider kind of a next step as we think about community, Christian community. We're looking at the u- uniqueness within the community and the giftedness and how God has wired us. We're gonna be talking about spiritual gifts, uh, but other gifts as well. There's several places in scripture where, where, God, where, where the scriptures speak about spiritual gifts. Um, Aaron mentioned this, that's 12 and 4 is a way to remember this. But 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and then they're also mentioned in Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. We're going to draw on all of these for reference, but our passage this morning is going to be Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. If you're willing, if you're able, I invite you to stand as we honor God, as God speaks to us this morning from his word. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. You may be seated. Join me as we continue with a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, we, we once again thank you for your word which, which speaks truth and speaks life into our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would open our ears to hear a word from you. To be encouraged, Lord, where we need to be encouraged, to be challenged, where we need to a word of challenge. And in all things, Lord, may, you continue to be forming us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. it's in His name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. You know some of our closest relationships can be pretty insightful, and, and in that way, marriage. Is, is the closest of those relationships. Marriage can be a funny thing. One of the, one of the things marriage uh, does is it, it makes you realize how all people are so different. Um, and, and, and once you get married, it doesn't take long uh, for those differences to kind of rise to the surface because now suddenly you're, you're living with this person that maybe you were, you were living apart for a season and, and now you're living together and you, you can't get away from them, right? There's no breaks. You know, there's no like send, send the, the boyfriend or girlfriend back home and you have your own space and whatever, you're with them. And so if your partner is, is, is a little messy or if, if they don't close cupboards regularly or put their laundry in the hamper or put the toilet seat down or fold towels just right in the, the, the particular right way you fold towels, uh, you, you live with that, right? And you don't get to say, oh, that's cute and that's kind of quirky, but he's so cute. You know, you don't get to do that, right? Uh, they're, they're there and that's, they're in your life. And anyway, Yvonne and I have, like many others, discovered some of these differences and, and I learned my lesson. I'm just kidding. Um, no, we, we discovered some of those differences. And, um, but one of, the, one of the differences between Yvonne and I that we learned even before we were married, uh, but, but Yvonne is an introvert and I am... An extrovert. If, yeah, yeah. So Yvonne's an introvert, and I'm an extrovert. And, and really, uh, that's, that's not so much your posture toward people as much as where you draw energy from, right? And so, so for me, I love to be around people, and I get energy from being around people. Like, like I want to hang out with people all the time in general. I mean, we all have our limits, but I want to be with people. And, and for Yvonne, she she. She likes being around people, uh, but she needs to recharge because big crowds and stuff, it kind of drains her energy and so she's gonna need some time with a quiet book for a little bit or, or or quiet in the house. And so, you know, we moved into a neighborhood three years ago and it's kind of a funny thing in our neighborhood, but I'm kind of like Bryson uh, and I'm kind of like scanning the backyard for neighbors. You know, are there, is there anyone to hang out with? And, uh, and then, then, you know, and Bryson does, he's less discreet. Like he just, he stands on the back deck and just starts calling out, does anyone want to play? You know, so he's kind of like me. Where, where Yvonne, like, it, you know, we, we hang out with the neighbors, like she's just gonna need some time to recharge and, and take a nap afterward. I'm, I'm constantly filling our house with noise, like music or talking, I'm always talking, and she just needs like a quiet house. Can anyone relate to any of these things? Some of you can relate. So here's the thing, I was kind of thinking about this, like for the introvert, like what they dream of is, is, is this, right? Like intro, doesn't that sound nice? Like all you introverts, you're like, yeah, cuddling up to a, a warm fire with a book and a cup of hot cocoa. That's, that sounds great. Whereas like extroverts, like our dream is, is, is this, right? <laughs> that's, that's a little extreme. Maybe, maybe Yeah, we all dream about being on a children's TV show and dancing, like maybe not. Okay, that's a little bit to the extreme. But it's kind of funny. Now here's the thing about our differences. The temptation is... Uh, to consider, we better get that off, that's distracting. <laughs> the temptation is that, that we consider some of these differences and kind of evaluate them. And so we, we start to say, well, well, this character trait is preferred, or this one is, is, is better because maybe the system or the culture that we live in values or rewards certain certain character traits more than others. And so sometimes in our culture, like extroverts, like, yeah, you like people, and introverts sometimes like, why are you so quiet? You know, like we have that temptation. But here's the thing, like in our passage this morning, right, we see God's value of all of these traits. We're gonna talk about that. But before we do, what I, what I think is really fascinating is, is the trait that is elevated at the beginning of our text this morning it, it is one that, that was really new with, with Jesus Christ, which is the trait of humility. Before Jesus, like the Roman Empire did not value humility. Like that was something that was shameful, but with Jesus Christ, this became a value that is really stuck in our culture today in many ways, in many places. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, carries on this call of Jesus from a couple of weeks ago. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, this call to total surrender to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily. In Romans chapter one, verses one, uh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So Paul is, is kind of carrying on these words of Jesus. This is our, our act of true worship, right? So we worship God by living a life of sacrifice. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. That this is countercultural, like kind of carrying on that, that theme from a couple weeks ago. And then Paul writes these words starting in verse three. They're on the screen. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. You see, in the Christian faith, humility is central. Humility is foundational. And it's foundational because this is how Jesus lived. Jesus is our example. Paul would later write in Philippians 2, uh, verses 3 through 5 and following, Uh, At the end there, in your relationships with one another, as he talks about humility, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then Paul would continue to write this beautiful poem about Jesus Christ, kind of summarizing how Jesus lived out humility. Summarize the gospel of Jesus, which is humility lived out, where Jesus left the glory of heaven and the status of the Son of God and stepped into the brokenness, making himself nothing, even submitting to to death, a brutal death on the cross, which, of course, opens the way for us to be in relationship with Jesus and have a restored relationship with God the Father. Like, this is the good news of the gospel, but the posture is that of humility. God, Jesus, stepping down into the brokenness of this world. Humility is the mindset. Humility is the posture that that should be for all Christ's disciples. This is also then how we live within community with one another as the church of Jesus Christ. Humility is our posture as we live in community with one another. What does this mean? It means we do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but rather... Think with sober judgment. Now let's talk a little bit about this word sober judgment. The idea here is, is sound judgment or balanced. That's important. Let's, let's look at that. Balance. Balance. That's the word I want us to kind of hold on to. Balanced judgment. Certainly Paul wants us to fight against arrogance, pride, and its extremes of narcissism or egomania. Like we get that, that humility speaks against that side of it. But it's also important to mention that balanced judgment, right? Imbalance also fights against the opposite extremes as well. And so humility is not a call to some kind of like self deprecation or self hate or misery. Humility that we are called to comes actually from a firm understanding of who we are in Christ. Humility is not weakness, but comes from a source of strength that we are, what baptism represents and reminds us of, that we are God's beloved children. That is a place of security and strength. And humility lived out then, out of that security and founded in this identity, then allows us to live sacrificially out of love for others. That's important to have that kind of balance, right? And so humility... Humility is our posture. Then Paul continues writing and offers, again, some of the most powerful imagery in, of the church. Uh, this, this image of the body of Christ. One body, many parts. He goes on to write in verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Here we have one of the most powerful illustrations of who we are supposed to be as the church of Christ, the body of Christ. In this word picture, two equally true, balanced, if you will, aspects of church life are beautifully held together in a way that that I just think is so intuitive and easy to understand. The body of Christ reminds us of this this high value of, of the community of faith and the unity of the body and at the same time, this high value of uniqueness and the value of each individual or member of that body. Both things in this, this word picture are elevated and valued in a, in a way that's so intuitive and easy to understand. Let's, let's talk about each briefly. The first is one body. Now, we talked about this last week with Pastor Aaron, but the Church of Jesus Christ is, is, is to live in community. And Pastor Aaron taught on us last week, and community is defined by biblical love. As the Bible defines love in 1 Corinthians 13, a beautiful, beautiful picture of what is love and what does it mean to live in biblical community? And here we'd emphasize the importance of unity and equality, the oneness of the church of Christ. I'd say also that this imagery of the body of Christ reminds us of our, of our interdependence upon one another. So that when one member of the body hurts, then we all hurt with, with that person, that brother or sister. Or when one, body of, of, of the, uh, when one member of the body of Christ is thriving and celebrating, then, then the whole body gathers around and we celebrate with them, right? And we, and we get this, like we're, we're, there's interdependence and it doesn't matter what part of the body it is. Like one of the most painful things you can do is stub your pinky toe, right? And you're like, what is the purpose of the pinky toe except for to get caught on furniture in the living room? And it hurts, right? But, but it's part, we're all part of the body, right? And, and we're all valued and important. We get that, right? One body, high value of community and unity. Let's talk about the other part, many parts, many parts. This word picture, again, this word picture is used multiple times in the New Testament. It also places a high value on the individual. Now, oftentimes you'll hear me, uh, you'll hear me stand up here and talk about kind of, where, where our culture has gone to kind of this hyper-individualism, but that doesn't mean like we go to the other extreme, like again, the church of Jesus Christ in the, new, in the gospel actually elevates the, the individual more than any time prior, right? And so there is this value of the individual, and, and specifically here in this illustration, uh, there's, there's this value of the uniqueness and the function within the body, In fact, Paul will expand on this illustration in 1 Corinthians 12, making his point so clear and obvious, kind of almost in a silly way, but we read this in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, now just imagine a foot saying this, it's silly, right? Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if an ear, the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I mean, Paul is just making something that's so obvious to us intuitively. The human body has been created. And God has created us with a design and an intention. Every part of our body is made in a unique and specific, and for a specific purpose and function. And when each part of our body is functioning as it should be, well then we're healthy and we're doing well and things are good. And when every part of the body then we also understand each part of our body, we value it, right? There's value and worth and importance in every part of our body. Paul's imagery here is brilliant. And because when he expands on it, it just sounds ludicrous. I mean, to imagine kind of like a rebellious foot, like, whoa, I don't want to be part of this, body. like, it's silly, right? Because it's just such an intuitive illustration. We understand this. All parts of the human body are different, but important and valued. And Paul is saying that each and every one of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ and part of the body of Christ, part of the church, part of this church, right? that God has created each of us different and unique. And that's on purpose. That's with intent and design because we all have a purpose within the body of Christ, within this community. We're all different and that is on purpose. And when we diminish our importance to the community or, or if we're tempted to begin to think, well, God can't use someone like me because of my past or because of my quirks and idiosyncrasies, or even my own dysfunction, that, 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 that's, that's as silly as, as like a rebellious foot insisting that they don't want to belong to the body. It's a powerful, powerful illustration. Friends, God has created you uniquely, and God has equipped you specifically for this time and this place where God has brought you. And so do not diminish this reality that God has created you uniquely and has equipped you specifically. Rather, embrace it, again, with a balanced kind of humility and discover what it means for you in this season. God has created you for a purpose. Now, we don't have time to go into all the ways God has uniquely created and equipped his people. This morning, what I wanna just focus briefly on is some spiritual gifts. And then briefly consider some other areas where God has made us unique and different from one another. At the same time, I just want to encourage you, there's plenty of resources available for your own discovery and self-discovery and self-awareness is huge when it comes to spiritual formation. We have some resources on our website, um, heartofwike.com slash resources, some spiritual gifts, inventories, and other things. Check that out if you are interested. But... This morning, I, let's just continue in the text. Paul continues writing, begins listing some specific spiritual gifts. Paul writes in verse six, we have different, or that word can also mean excellent, gifts, according to the grace given each of us. So we all have these gifts, right? We've been given these gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to list some of the specific gifts that are given by the in grace by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit. And again, just to note, like his intent here in Romans 12, Uh, is not to be exhaustive. Like he's not listing all of the gifts, he's just listing some of the gifts as examples. And we know that because in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, other gifts are given, again, not all of the gifts, neither are to be exhaustive lists, but he names some specific gifts which we're gonna just mention here because we're studying Romans chapter 12. But as we dive into this idea of spiritual gifts, first and foremost, it's important to differentiate and recognize how spiritual gifts are different from other gifts and other talents that we might have. There's other natural gifts that we have, like the ability to, to play music or to play certain sports or, or maybe the gift of just, you have a, a brain that's wired for mathematics. Like those are good and those are natural good gifts that come from God. But it's also, diff- it's also different, spiritual gifts are also different from different personality traits. Like Some of us just might have like a natural work ethic that maybe that was nurtured growing up, or or we love to study and learn and our brains are just wired that way, or we have a certain charisma. Again, those are good, those are special, but spiritual gifts are kind of in this special uh, grouping. These are supernatural gifts given in grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts given to us by the power of the Spirit for the building up of Christ's church and the furthering of God's kingdom here on earth. On the left there on the screen is just some categories. I was reading um, Tim Keller's uh, Romans for You, and he kind of just had these groupings. So if it's helpful to categorize the gifts, speaking gifts, leading gifts, serving gifts, sign gifts, great. Uh, But the gifts that Paul mentions here in Romans 12 begin with prophecy. Prophecy, Let's just talk about each of these briefly. Prophecy in Scripture is a much broader category than where our minds typically go. We hear prophecy, and often we think of foretelling future events, but that's not really the primary role of the biblical prophet. The prophet was to speak a word from the Lord. Oftentimes, the prophet spoke a difficult word, but a word of truth that the people needed to hear. And so when we think about prophecy, uh, even as a spiritual gift, it's, it's less foretelling future events, it's more speaking truth that sometimes hard to receive, but We need to hear. Serving. Paul here uses the word diakonia. Uh, This is a a Greek word where we derive the title deacon. And so the, the role and function of deacon is there's some overlap here. It refers to practical service with some administration skills, oftentimes not needing the spotlight, but can be working behind the scenes. Teaching is the gift of making truth clear to understand. Teaching can be part of preaching, but it's different than preaching or proclamation of the word. It can take place in a variety of settings from large groups like this to medium-sized groups to small groups. And and teaching can take place in a variety of different ages, teaching adults or what's happening downstairs, teaching children and helping children understand. There's a gift there uh, in that kind of teaching. Encouraging is a word that literally means to come alongside. It includes both encouragement and exhortation. So counselors and those who walk with others in support or oftentimes those with gifts of hospitality have this gift of encouraging, giving. Those with this gift enjoy giving in an unusual proportion with great wisdom. Leadership, leading. Leadership gifts convey, where where people can convey a vision that inspires and people then begin to follow. Those ones, that's pretty intuitive right and then mercy those with this gift are particularly moved and gifted at working with the poor the sick the weak the underprivileged and underserved in our community and society mercy right There's other gifts in the New Testament as well. Some of those gifts that are mentioned in in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of wisdom, the gift of of miracles and healing, the gift of tongues speaking and interpreting tongues, the gift of of just faith, like this supernatural kind of trust in God. These are supernatural gifts that, again, only come from the power of God as testified in the New Testament. (sighs) Okay, we breathe. There's, There's an overview of just some of the spiritual gifts. Now. What, what's, I think, really important to mention as we think about these spiritual gifts is that all of us have each of these gifts in some measure. Okay, the temptation is, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Like, that's not my spiritual gift. So I guess I don't have to share my, fi- no, 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 no. Like, we're still all called to, to live into these gifts, um, but, but there are a, a one or a few that God has given us in, in, in divine proportion that, that are our spiritual gifts, right? So we're all called to have faith. We're all called to give. We're all called to, to share the gospel. But some of us are given those gifts in divine proportion, spiritual gifts. Now, it's also important, I think, to mention other areas of our lives that make us unique, Spiritual gifts, that's incredibly important. But there's other areas that may inform and should inform where we might be best equipped to serve the body of Christ. And so let's just talk about some other differences. An acronym that I've found helpful over the years comes from Eric Reese, who is out of Saddleback, who wrote a book uh, almost 20 years ago by the same name. The acronym is SHAPE. Uh, SHAPE stands for those things listed on the screen. Spiritual gifts, heart passions, abilities, personality, experiences. I just find this really helpful uh, because, again, I think it's really intuitive and it just makes a lot of sense. The question is, how has God uniquely shaped me and you uh, to be used for his purpose? How are we shaped? So the acronym works in that way. Uh, Certainly we would say, as we just talked about, spiritual gifts are a big piece of it, but there's other parts that make us uniquely shaped and equipped for God, for service in God's kingdom as well. What am I passionate about? Each of us have passions, right? What is it that stirs in your soul? What are the things happening in this world that's like, like you're like, that's not right, or you're just passionate about? God, God's going to use your passions. Uh, what about natural abilities? You know, what are my natural abilities? Like, am, has God given me some gifts, like to be an artist or, or an engineer? Like, some of those natural gifts. Like, God wants to use you according to the things that you are naturally good at. What's my personality? Am I introverted? Am I extroverted? You know, there's, there's countless tools to explore your personality type, from Meyer Briggs to disc assessments uh, to Enneagram, and these are all tools that kind of just help us become aware of who we are, and that can be helpful. That is helpful. And the final one that I think we don't often think about is experiences. Experiences. Our life experiences make a huge difference. Friends, if, if we've walked a specific journey, particularly... A, a difficult journey, through grief and loss, through addiction, recovery, betrayal, reconciliation, doubt, deconstruction, like we've deconstructed our faith, we've been working on how to put it back together. If we've we've traveled that journey, we are uniquely equipped to walk with others who are on a similar journey. And our voice then carries a certain weight because, because we've, we've been on not the same journey. None of us are on the same journey, but, but a similar one. Our shape, oh, these differences matter. These are all areas that I think we, we want to consider and spend time just, you know, how, how, is, how are these things shaping me to equip me for specific ministry opportunities or, or just living into the kingdom in our neighborhoods, right? And... and if, if you're interested in exploring these any further, like we have some other assessments and tools that, that may or may not be helpful, but if you're interested, just send me an email jb at hardawike.com. i 'd love to have this conversation to explore uh, with you. But all of this kind of leads to the next question, which is why why does god 's spirit empower us with spiritual gifts, with certain abilities, with certain passions, with a certain personality what's the purpose? of our uniqueness. Does God offer us gifts so we can just be successful in life? Or does God's spirit empower the members of his body, uh, the church, just so people can like, look at the church of Jesus Christ and be like, wow, what a cool group of people. No, of course not, right? There is a much higher purpose. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, speaks into this. Peter writes this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. So here in 1 Peter, we are given a couple of purposes for spiritual gifts, for the gifts God has given us. First, to bring praise, honor, and glory to God and then second, to serve others. Or as Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, for the common good, to build up the body. Right? We, are not given, uh, we are not given gifts primarily for our personal benefit. That's not the primary purpose, but for the benefit of the body of Christ in service to the kingdom of God. The benefit extends beyond our community, but to others, all for the glory of God. And think about the illustration, the body, many one body, many parts. It, it fits beautifully into that imagery because the parts of the body don't exist uh, and, and simply thrive for their own glory. Again, this hand is trying to be like the coolest hand in the. No, that's not the purpose. Like it's silly, right? But for the benefit of the body, and for the purpose of the person who 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 is that body, right? The purpose of like. It functions the purpose of the person, right? Again, it's just powerful and intuitive illus- imagery and, and an illustration. The purpose. And here's the final word that brings us back to last week's message How do we know that our gifts are being used for God's good purposes? What kind of holds this whole thing together? And, and honestly, I think it, it all comes back to, to what Pastor Aaron preached last week love. Love. What I found beautiful and insightful during my study this week, as I was looking at these different passages that speak on the body of Christ, particularly Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, is, is, is they kind of share a similar pattern. Uh, both of them begin a discussion on spiritual gifts using this imagery of the body of Christ comprised of, of many parts, and then that discussion leads them into a beautiful word on Love. First Corinthians 12, body of Christ, followed by First Corinthians 13, which we heard last week. And Romans 12, uh, verses three through eight is followed by Romans 12, nine through 21. And I just encourage you to read that this afternoon. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. It's this beautiful account on love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's conversation on, and before he defines love, which was what we talked about last week, he begins this way. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm just a resounding gong or clanging Symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Basically, Paul's saying we can be the most gifted person in the world. We can display the most impressive and supernatural gifts, tongues and prophecy or miracles and healing or the most inspiring of gifts, faith and generosity and service and mercy. But if we do not exercise those gifts in love as defined by the scriptures, if we don't exercise those gifts for the benefit of others, then we're not serving the greater purposes of God's kingdom. Love in many ways is our litmus test as I use my gifts, as I use how God has created me uniquely, am I I loving my brothers and sisters? Am I loving and serving the community that God has called me to love and serve my neighbor? Am I serving them or am I serving myself? Friends, our, our prayer and our hope is that these gifts God has given us would be used to love God, love our neighbor, all to the glory of God and the furthering of his kingdom. Love. Let's bring this plane in for a landing, if you will. You know, it, it, it's, it is true that we are we are all different. We all have different gifts. We have different personalities. We have different passions. We have different life experiences that we bring to the table. That we bring into our lives. That we bring into our workplace. That we bring into our relationships. That we bring into the biblical community. That is the church, the body of Christ. And it's also true that, in, oftentimes, our world or our society, our culture, may reward or place a higher value on certain traits above others. Like, I mean, I think it is true that oftentimes extroverts in our culture get kind of valued, and introverts uh, kind of get diminished. Or certain character traits, like the person who is super charismatic, might might have opportunities that the more reserved person might not have. But when I think about our closest relationships, friendships, and more specifically the relationship that Ivan and I have after 16 years of marriage, you know, I see how our differences actually, actually balance each other out. Actually, our family is, is, is better because of our differences. Our relationship is better because of our differences. Me as a person is better because of our differences. She helps me embrace times of quiet and reflection and prayer, which I need desperately. And I bring a little bit of noise into the house, which I don't know how desperately she needs that, but I think it's good, right? A little bit of energy. We stretch one another. We need one another. And in our relationship, we have become better people. And for the church, it's the same. Friends, we need each other. Friends, we need your gifts we need your uniqueness, we need your experiences for this body to thrive and be at its best. We need those who are willing and called to lead up front as well as those who are called to work behind the scenes. We need those who are, who are willing to challenge and push us forward in, in vision and courage and boldness and we need those who are wise and reserved and help keep us on a path of faithfulness. We need those who are excited and energized about serving downstairs in our nursery. And we need those who are like, meh, not for me, okay? And you can chuckle at that. Because the beauty is when we discover how God has uniquely equipped us, not only does that empower us to step into the things that we are called to serve, but it also frees us to say, that's not how God has wired me, and that's okay. Okay? And free us from the guilt or whatever. Like, Find where God has placed you, God, how God has uniquely equipped and given you passions and gifts for and step into that role in love. The challenge then is to discern and discover how God has wired us and to step forward in faith. That's my prayer for us, not just this week, but as we continue on this journey of faith as a community. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we thank you for how you are at work. Lord, we pray to a God who is, who is living. We serve a master, Lord Jesus, who is, who is active and moving in our midst. And Spirit, one of the ways that, that you are working and moving is in empowering your people to serve. So Lord, we just pray that that in this beginning this week and moving forward, Lord, that we would we would be open to discovering the ways that you have made us unique, the gifts that you have divinely empowered us with. Lord, the other abilities and passions. Lord, may we discover, may we become aware of how you have wired and created us unique so that we can serve in ways that benefit this body and extend your community and your kingdom into this world and community in which we've been called to live. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our fusion community or how to support Heart of Wike Ministries, please visit us at heartawike.com.